The following program was pre-recorded on WFAN. It's time for Hello, My Name is Craig, our weekly candid conversation about gambling addiction. It's supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Now, here's Craig Carton. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Hello, My Name is Craig. Craig Carton with you for the next 30 minutes, a frank, open, honest conversation about gambling addiction. Joining us, as always, from Epic Risk Management, our pal Danny Trelaro. Dan, good morning. How are you? I'm great, Craig. It's good to be back in New Jersey after a long couple of weeks. Yeah, so good to have you back. And uh, from the Midwest, happy to have Mike with us uh, this morning as well. Mike, uh, good morning. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your story with us today. Good morning, and thank you for having me. So uh, we always start the show by asking the obvious question, that is, when was your last wager? My last wager was December 14th, 2020. So I am 674 days into my recovery journey. Not that we're counting days, but (laughs) there you go. Well, (laughs) congratulations on that. Uh, I know what it's like to get to that spot. And uh, proud of you and more power to you. It seems like you're on a good path. And fingers crossed you stay on that path. What um, When we talk about your story, though, which is unique to you, uh, if you don't mind sharing a little bit with us, when did you first get exposed to gambling, even before it became a problem for you? Well, I have a pretty unique story in the fact that I was exposed to it very early and it had been a part of my life for many, many years. So I was born in Las Vegas, and which is ironic and definitely a part of my story because I remember being four or five years old, hanging out in casino arcades while my family gambled. And... Uh, Once we moved out of Vegas, even when I was 8, 9, 10 years old, I started gambling, playing cards with my family, doing all sorts of uh, stuff that involved money and involved gambling. It was just always a part of our family from an early age, uh, talking war stories about going to the casinos, uh, what other gambling activities they were doing. A lot of my family had previous incarceration, so there was issues there. just always was a part of our life. And then when I got into high school, things started spiraling from there, started going to keno parlors, playing uh, other card games with my family and with friends, even going and playing bingo with uh, uh, a bunch of old people and old grannies and stuff like that at Keno, at bingo parlors, even when I was 15, 16 years old. So it only got worse from there, turned 21, started going to the casinos. They had a huge influence on my 20s and uh, really spiraled from there, but I definitely started at a young age. So it sounds the way you describe it that gambling was never a positive influence, uh, whereas a lot of people we talked to, you know, gambling was kind of cool. An uncle would take you to the track. A dad uh, let you play the ponies. You know, uh, you won a, a lottery scratch-off. It seems to me like when you look back on your life with clarity now that gambling was never – a positive thing. It was something that you were surrounded by. People did it, but it was never a thing like, hey, I won a big jackpot when I was nine years old. Nothing like that. Of course, we all have the experiences where we remember our big wins, all of us who have had problems with gambling in the past. So I have great stories of that. I remember when I was in high school and won $200 in a card game when I was 16 years old, you know. Sure. And so I remember the Well, let me, I guess, let me interrupt you there, and I apologize. The reason I asked the question is, uh, you know, for a lot of people, it was an early win 
that propelled them to, you know, gamble more and to think that winning was easy and the allure of winning. And I only brought it up because when you described your story and your first uh, your life exposure to gambling, you didn't say that. So it's dawned on me that maybe that wasn't what the allure was for you. It was just that this is what my family does. Absolutely. It was just an ingrained piece in our family right. that we have always, something we've always done. It wasn't until I got into recovery and got into treatment that I started talking to counselors about my story. And they told me that that's not normal, that not all families have that. And for me, I just felt like that was something that was a part of every family. So learning that was a huge piece in my recovery and learning that I didn't want my daughter to go through those same experiences that I had. Dan, let me bring you in here because that last thing that Mike said I think is paramount, which is essentially you're stopping the cycle. You know, you hear that yeah. a lot in domestic uh, violent uh, households where I want to stop the cycle of abuse, your physical abuse, that type of thing. You don't hear it a lot, sadly, when it comes to gambling addicts who grew up in a gambling household. And I wonder your take on what Mike's saying there. Yeah, I, I think Mike's spot on, and it's something that we talk about uh, quite a bit, is that childhood experiences matter. And, you know, I was at this when I was traveling the last couple of weeks. I was at a conference in uh, North Dakota, and one of the speakers at the conference talked about the fact that you learn what you live, and then you live out what you learn. And it's so critical that early on, when we're talking about gambling disorder and gambling addiction starting at that early age, you know, Mike, you grew up in Vegas. You lived it. You learned it from who you lived with, your environment, your surroundings. Everything that you did made sense to you in that moment. But then when you look back, to Craig's point with clarity, you can look backwards and say, I got to break this cycle because now I've had a lot of things that I look back on to say, this maybe was not um, how I should have been doing things. It was what I learned. And yes, it was what I did in the moment, but is that the healthiest thing for me now? And is it something I want to pass on to my children? We have the power to change the future. We have that power. And it's important when that clarity comes up to have that revelation in recovery to say, I got to do something different. So, Mike, let me ask you, for a guy who spent his lifetime surrounded by gambling, uh, what was your bottom of the barrel moment? Like, how deep did you get, and why did you ultimately wake up one day and a acknowledge you had a problem, and b decide to get help for it? What happened? So for me, that rock bottom took thirty years to get to. So sure. I was in my early forties before I ever figured out that this was truly a problem. There was a moments, and it ebbed and flowed as far as moments in my life where I realized that it was a problem, but my problem didn't really truly get to a point where it was unmanageable until I got into my 30s and 40s. And uh, this whole time I was holding professional jobs, was a father, was uh, living essentially a double life where I was doing all of my different gambling activity on one side of my life and holding down my professional and uh, fatherly duties, you know, on the other side. It wasn't until 2020 when my life kind of made a really huge change as far as I lost my business because of the pandemic. So I had to pivot in my career. And when I did that, when I pivoted, I had more time on my hands and more freedom. And when I did that, that was when things got so much worse for me. I really started delving into some um, 
not only more gambling, but also surrounded myself with people who were like me or had other addictions and were truly struggling as well. And we kind of all uh, were together in this battle. But I realized that one day on that December 14th, the last day I placed a bet, I wasn't really a rock bottom in the sense that I spent more money than I have ever spent or I got into any legal trouble or anything like that. I just remember leaving a keno parlor that day after I spent a few hundred dollars. wasn't a great, a huge amount of money in comparison to what I've spent. But I just remember feeling so tired that day. I was just exhausted from leading a double life. And thank God that I picked up the phone that day and called our local Nebraska hotline number, 833-BED-OVER in the state of Nebraska and got a hold of a counselor who cared enough to have me come in the next day, and that's where I received treatment from. And everything since then has just been clarity since. And did you share that with uh, your wife, assuming you were married at the time, or any other uh, close relatives or friends where you know, you kind of came clean that you were gambling the amounts you were gambling and the amount of time you were spending on it, or did it take a while for you to eventually uh, have that conversation? Well, I was divorced at that point, so which I'm sure that led to the demise of our relationship, whether admitted or not at the time. Uh, but so I didn't have a spouse at the time. I was in some other toxic relationships that obviously I had to cut off. But uh, yeah, over time, even within a couple months after starting treatment, I started trying to make amends and. Uh, I do believe in the 12 steps and making amends is obviously part of that. And so I started telling my story and I started telling people about what happened and what was going on in my life currently. And that not only did that make me feel better about my recovery, I also realized that I have the power to influence others and do better for others by what I'm doing and speaking to others about my No, I think it's great that you share your story. I'm fascinated by it. And Dan, let me bring you back in before we take our break. You know, there's an aspect to this that's foreign to me because, you know, I only know, you know, although we've talked to hundreds and hundreds of people who are also compulsive gamblers, you know, my story is unique to me, yours is to you, et cetera, et cetera. And I I ask this question every week, and every week I've gotten an answer uh, that goes along with what I'm thinking, and this is the first week I didn't get the answer that I was expecting, Mm -hmm. and that is that there was no bottom-of-the-barrel moment. There was no whether it was an arrest or a huge loss or, you know, I'm in debt to bad people, that kind of thing. It was just Mike walked out of a keno parlor and had an epiphany that he was tired of living the life he was living, but it didn't coincide with bankruptcy or a significant financial loss in the moment. And I wonder in your uh, experience now, Dan, talking across the country and you're know, getting to know so many uh, compulsive gamblers if you hear that story more, or like me, are you surprised to hear how it happened? Yeah, you know, that's interesting. Because I, I, I think about our journey, Craig, where it took something drastic and dramatic to happen. You know, going to prison is a drastic thing. You know, prison insanity or death is what we often hear. And I, too, am often amazed when someone can say, you know what? Basically, I'm just done. There wasn't that bankruptcy. There wasn't that big, massive, major thing. They didn't find themselves contemplating ending their life or taking or completing suicide. It's just, I'm done. And I can't wrap my head around that at times because that wasn't my journey. I guess you could just kind of boil it down to a whole bunch of little things that bubble up eventually. 
And eventually the collection of those things, the person gets sick and tired of being sick and tired. It's, it's not one major thing. It's a collection of things that all add up over time. Their jar overflows and that's it. It's like a bunch of little marbles that just yeah. jar overflows. But and I listen, that wasn't my journey. It doesn't matter how you get there as long exactly. as you get there. I want to be clear exactly. about that too. Let me take a quick break. We'll continue on with Dan and Mike. It's Hello, My Name is Craig. Back to more of Hello, My Name is Craig on The Fan with your host, Craig Carton, and supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Welcome back to Hello, My Name is Craig. Craig Carton with you. Dan Trelaro, of course, uh, Epic Risk Management, and wrapping up a story with Mike, a gambler in recovery uh, out in the Midwest. Mike, uh, walk me through how it was for you to kind of wear the... You know the scarlet letter on your chest, as it as it is, when you first decide to come clean, and now you're the gambling addict, and uh, you have to wear that. And it, not a lot of people wear it proudly at first. It's a tough go when you first decide to get help. Walk people through your experience when you first picked up that phone, first had that meeting, or found yourself inside a GA room. What was that experience like for you? So for me, it was the toughest thing I ever had to do in my life was coming to grips with who I am and the struggles that I was fighting. And I, for the longest time, I always kind of attributed my problems to uh, mental problems, to having a mental disorder. I swore that I was bipolar and that that this was just something I was going to have to live with the rest of my life, that maybe mental help would help me more than actually facing the addiction. So once I got into outpatient treatment, I really started working with counselors. I was doing two to three uh, individual sessions a week and started doing group sessions. Uh, so I was putting a lot of time and effort into my recovery. And as I got further and further along and started at stacking days where I wasn't gambling, I realized that my mental problems were truly because of my addiction. And that once I started gaining that clarity, telling my story was not for me personally it was not a big deal. And it was, uh, I truly believe that the truth will set you free and it did set me free and has led me to where I'm at in life now, where not only after I finished my own recovery, did I want to help others? I've devoted my entire career now to being in the problem gambling industry and helping others to uh, get to a place where they're more comfortable and able to share their story. Do you miss gambling? There's moments, fleeting moments, where you think about it. It's hard to not. I was a sports better. Uh, a lot of what I did was sports betting. So, you, as you know, as well as anyone, I'm talking to people who in the in the sports industry yeah. understand it. Uh, it's everywhere right now. So it's hard not to think about it. You know, when you're watching a game and you hear a line, you see what's going on. Sure. And, know how it affects you yeah but you know the you know the uh there's a flip side to that and you know i'll share it with you and and dan and the audience you know you're right when you know you're surrounded by it or you know you can't help but notice uh, teams favored by x amount of points or an over under some kind of points and you immediately have an opinion on it which you know if you didn't have a problem would be actionable you could put money on it but you know on the very first night of the nba season this year the philadelphia 76ers played the boston celtics okay and there's a big uh, to-do about that game because a lot of people made a, a same-game parlay on how many assists James Harden was going to have in the game. And the over-under was seven and a half. And when the game came to an end, 
James Harden had eight assists, so he barely made it. But if you had the over, obviously you won. If you had the under, you lost, but you sweated it out. So the first part of that story is I was so happy that I wasn't sweating it out. I didn't care how many assists James Harden had. But then here's what happened. An hour after the game, and I'm not making that up. You can look it up. An hour after the game, NBA Stats, which is the official stat keeper for the National Basketball Association, took an assist away from James Harden. Wow. So the official stat line for an hour said that he had eight assists, you cover the over. An hour later, they took one assist away, and now he had seven assists. And if you bet the over, sorry, you lose. And for a minute I said, I am so happy that I'm not gambling anymore because of the odds that would have been involved, A, with him at seven, not getting to eight, but then getting to eight and having it taken away And it was a reminder to me of how much happier I am not worrying about things I have no control over. And bought on. And that's, that's, I mean, for me, that's what I focus on now in those fleeting moments where I feel that. And when I'm working with my clients, I'm in peer counseling now. I help out other clients who are struggling. And we talk about those moments. We talk about, we're very open about that, about how, it's not, you don't have to have that sick feeling anymore. You don't have to leave the casino with that sick feeling in your stomach, or you don't have to watch a game and know that you're not going to hit your over or your under or hit whatever you're on, what line you were on and just have that sick feeling anymore. Yeah. Life has its ups and downs, but they're nothing compared to the ups and downs that I felt as a gambler. And to not have that feeling anymore is worth its weight in gold to me. Well, Mike, I really appreciate you joining us today and sharing your story. And I think it's important that we share more of these stories. Before we let you go, Dan and I usually like to ask our guests, you know, to to say a little something for people that are out there who are at step one. You know, you're uh, two years into it almost, which is um, amazing, and you should be really proud of of that accomplishment because it is a great accomplishment. But there are people listening right now who are at step one or who may not have even taken the first step. And as we all know, that very first step is daunting. I can't tell you how many GA rooms I walked out of because I just didn't feel comfortable in them. And it, of course, retarded my process of getting healthy. So for people that are at that stage, what message would you send to them? Just that there's people out there who know what you're going through and that uh, the biggest, the most courageous step you can take is walking into that GA room or making that phone call to a treatment center or that hotline number, that if you make that step from there, there's people who are going to be beside you, holding your hand, making you, helping you get to that next step. And understand that you're not alone, that the shame you're feeling, that the uh, depression you feel, everything you feel, that you're not the only one feeling that. And just definitely take in that sense of community that is out there, people who are willing to help you. And don't be afraid to take that next step and get that help. Well, appreciate it very much. Uh, wise words. Uh, continued success with your recovery. And uh, appreciate you coming on. If you ever need somebody to talk to, as Dan will tell you, yeah, we're both here for you should you ever have that need. And we appreciate you sharing your story. Thank you so much. I appreciate everything you guys do and love the show, and I'm glad to have the opportunity to be on it. So thank you. Thanks. Have a great weekend. Thank you for joining Thanks, us. Mike. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Dan, before we uh, get going here today, uh, there's so many different angles of what's going on as you know, gambling becomes more and more prevalent. I saw a story today that 
I think it's Caesars, has applied for a license with the specific intent of opening up a casino in Times Square in uh, New York City. So the bigger it's going to get, the more problems, unfortunately, we're going to have. But it's not going away for sure. And I know that brings up a topic that you're sensitive to. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, this past week, and, and Craig, we get people that have been on our show, people that listen to our show from all around the country. And I heard when I was traveling last week from the father of a young man who was struggling, got the help and support he needed, and was doing well in his recovery. But then just due to some life events, he's in college. He started gambling again, but he did sports betting. But in this case, he wasn't doing the research and picking the games on his own. Instead, he said, let me go to the experts. And he signed up with a service um, that, you know, promotes this 80% win percentage, 70% win percentage, and is paying them thousands of dollars for the picks on sports. And this is something you and I have talked about, the touts, how they're out there talking about their win percentage. They charge a lot of money. And then when you bet on those games, now you're risking a lot. You're chasing these five-star plays. And now to the tune of $10,000 between subscription services and gambling, he's now back in that lifestyle and all that, you know, all that good quality recovery time, he's now going to start over. And, and, and it's a learning experience. We know that. But we just always have to stay vigilant to the marketing and to just these services that are out there that, that talk about handicapping sports betting. Yeah, like I would say, no one's going to be better at, at handicapping a game than you are. There are legitimate above-board uh, places that market picks whether they be trend handicappers or whatever their system might be, you know, old school Goldman Sachs type guys. And I don't want to poo-poo all of them, but the notion that anyone is at 80% is a joke. So if you hear a, a marketing campaign claiming to, you know, to be 15 and one or, you know, you know, 80%, I win every single week. Those are the ones by, sh those are the ones, listen, you have to stay away from because they're charlatans who are just trying to take your money, and they are not good at handicapping games. Now, I can give you a list of places that I know personally where there are honest operators, and even the honest operators, I want to be very, very clear about this, have never, not a single one of them, have ever had a 70%-plus season <laughs> in any sport. And for bleep sure... They've never done it over the course of multiple seasons. So <laughs> while there are reputable services, and when I say that, I mean services that are honest about winning and losing games, none of them are better than you are. Right. So if you have a feeling on a game and you want to wager, Dan and I aren't telling you not to. We're telling you to have a plan, stick to that plan, and never chase your losses because that is a recipe for bad things to happen, and that's what 100%. we're saying. Yep, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's a Netflix documentary out right now about the Tim Donahue scandal from years ago in the NBA, and you know, he was picking games at seventy some percent, but that's because <laughs> there was some inside information being given. So with these 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 websites that just kind of promote these percentages, Craig, to your point, are just absolutely absurd. And don't compound an issue if you're starting to chase your losses through gambling, and now you're paying for a subscription service to someone who you think knows more than you, that's certainly a recipe for, for even quicker demise. Yep, exactly right. Listen, it's your money. You know, be smart with it and recognize that there's no such thing as inside information anymore because that's, that's real. There isn't. Uh, so right. anyway, we could talk about that forever and ever. We got a whole weekend to enjoy, buddy. So let's go ahead and do that. And we'll bring back this conversation again next Saturday. And as always, appreciate your time. That's Dan Trelaro, Epic 
risk management. Danny, have a good weekend, pal. You do the same, man. Talk to you next week. Yep, Joe and Evan are coming up next. And Evan and I are back, of course, Monday at 2 with all the playoff baseball and the Jets and the Giants. All good stuff coming up Monday at 2 o'clock right here on The Fan.